Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Scott. You're listening to Coffee and Books, the podcast where we talk about everything. Everything under the sun from all different types of specialty drinks to all different types of books out there that I am reading. Uh, So if you're not familiar with this podcast, I like to talk about different topics. So today is going to be a special episode where I'm going to mention a few different things going on that I'm reading currently, just so you know how busy I actually am. Um, I will say that I've had to cut back a little bit on my reading. That's why it's taking so long. I picked a very long book. Um, It's called Stone of Tears. Uh, It is by Terry Goodkind. Wonderful book, uh, fantasy book. We're going to get into that later. Unfortunately, that book series is massive. It's about a 15-book series. I'm on book two currently. I read book one not long ago. Uh, But basically, this type of book is a very, very long fantasy. It's drawn out. It takes a lot of time. So please have patience with me while I'm finishing my next novel. Um, Of course, I do have a wonderful new manga for you to read, and it is called Yu-Gi-Oh! Volume 1. Now, before we go any further into Yu-Gi-Oh!, I just want to mention a couple other things. One, I just checked out uh, TJ Maxx and Home Goods store. So if you've ever been to a Home Goods store before uh, and TJ Maxx before, wonderful different selection of products. Uh, but what I enjoy most is, of course, their coffee section. And I went into Home Goods yesterday and I just bought an awesome fall uh, pumpkin-flavored coffee. So I just wanted to tell you all about that. I know that many of you out there are like me and drink different teas and coffees and all different types of beverages out there, but I just want to say I love fall. Fall is my favorite season. Check out pumpkin-flavored coffee wherever you can find it, Um, not just at Starbucks anymore. You can find it anywhere. There's also a new flavor of Madagascar honey vanilla coffee, so it's a Keurig form. You can find them there. They're a limited edition. I believe they're from uh, TJ Maxx, you can go there and check it out. Uh, but anyway, I was at the home goods store the other day and just wanted to tell you that for you coffee lovers out there. All right. So let's go back to Yu-Gi-Oh! Volume 1. So Yu-Gi-Oh! Awesome trading card series. Very nostalgic for me. Grew up with it in my childhood. Watched the television show on, uh, Kids WB, a uh, long, 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 long time ago. Uh, we're talking about like 20 something years ago here. So it is a long time ago. And the show has changed, and the manga has changed. I did not realize the manga is even older than the TV show, but that makes complete sense. Uh, however, I do want to talk about it, because there's a lot of stuff that I think 20 years ago versus today could not fly. And this manga in particular is an example of that. So if you have kids with you, and they like Yu-Gi-Oh!, hey, that's fantastic. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of mature topics in the manga that is not directly correlated with the TV show. So please take this as your warning now that there is going to be some inappropriate things I'm going to be talking about, which, big surprise, it's manga, so it's going to be a little bit different. Um, Now, I will say a couple other things before we begin. The TV show in the United States Americanized the names of the characters, except for Yugi. Uh, So all the other characters in the story, everyone from the grandfather to... His friends, they all have Americanized names like Joey Wheeler. That is not the case in this book, uh, in this manga, because they were all traditionally Japanese. The TV show was about the early 2000s, so I'd say about 2001, 2002 when it first came out. Um, The manga is older. It was from the mid-90s, and I believe it started in 1996 in Shonen Jump magazine. So mid-90s versus early 2000s versus present is a lot different in society. 
Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! actually just celebrated their 25th anniversary and had a special about that. So that's also one of the reasons why I chose to read this book. It just happened to be coincidence, and I just happened to find it, but I thought that was really awesome, that this book series just celebrated its 25th anniversary, and for its 25th anniversary, I wanted to read Volume 1. So there you have it. So let's get into it. So what is Yu-Gi-Oh! about? Uh, As many of you probably remember or know, Yu-Gi-Oh! is about a trading card game. And this is the introduction by Kazuki Takashi, who is the writer of Yu-Gi-Oh! There is a history of games. Game history is interwoven with human history, starting in the Egyptian Empire over 5,000 years ago. Ancient games foretold the future for citizens and kings. As games were played, fate was decided in magical ceremonies. These were called the Shadow Games. In Chapter 1, Yugi is attending Domino High School in Japan. His classmates are getting ready to play sports, but Yugi is more interested in solving a puzzle. He is picked on by his fellow classmates, such as Honda, who is known as Tristan Taylor in the American series, Jonucci, who is known as Joey Wheeler in the American series. Uh, Fellow classmate Anzu, who is known as Tia Gardner, puts a stop to the bullying and gives Yugi his puzzle back. Anzu and Yugi talk about how his grandfather sells unusual games and owns a game store. Uh, So Yugi's grandfather sells games from around the world. She also warns him that he needs to be tougher in life as he's probably going to get picked on. He's smaller. He needs to be more aggressive. She cites examples that the boys were, for instance, looking up her skirt. uh, And so she had attacked them for doing so. Yugi, of course, is blushing by this and thinking of how beautiful Anzu is. Meanwhile, the boys run into a hall monitor. This would be, of course, Honda and Janucci. Uh, they run into fellow hall monitor Ushio. Ushio is a scary-looking larger man who enforces the rules. After he leaves Jonucci, um, uh, sorry, after he leaves, Jonucci admits to Honda that he stole a piece of the puzzle when nobody was looking. He decides to throw it into a swimming pool so that Yugi will never be able to solve this puzzle. Again, this is a very jerk thing to do, mainly because Yugi considers Jonucci a friend, and it's hard to believe that this is the same guy. On his way home, Yugi runs into Ushio. Ushio seems really excited to be Yugi's bodyguard. He offers to put a stop to the bullying that Yugi seems to be experiencing. But again, Yugi says that these are his friends and that he says that it's okay. Uh, Meanwhile, Anzu meets Yugi at his grandfather's shop. Yugi's grandfather, Sugoroku Mutuo, introduces himself. And coincidentally, he also guesses Anzu's bust size since the last time he saw her. Again, very perverted thing to do. Um, Yugi tries to solve the puzzle, which he calls the Millennium Puzzle, but is unable to do so. The next day, um, he finds Ushio again. Or sorry, Ushio finds Yugi again, and then he shows Yugi that he has beat up Hondi and Jonuchi. Uh, Yugi intervenes before his friends get any more hurt, and he is trying to protect his friends. But Ushio says that Yugi owes him a lot of money for being his bodyguard. Yugi again wants to stop the violence, but Ushio says he wants to teach him a lesson for not paying money and for not protecting him. And in other words, Ushio is causing a racket. Uh, he is saying that unless Yugi pays up, he will beat him up, which he says is okay. And after all, he beat up the bullies that Yugi wanted. Again, Yugi denies this. Uh, of course, Yugi's friends are upset and hurt that they think that Yugi actually had done this and hired a bodyguard to beat him up and his friends. But again, as they see, um, 
you know, Yugi'd stand up to the bully and try to defend themselves. Even though he didn't stand a chance, they begin to recognize and respect Yugi for doing so. Uh, later that night, uh, Yugi is worried about Ushio going after him again the next day. He's working on the puzzle, and again he realizes that he's missing one particular piece. Uh, Jonucci actually steps by with the missing piece. Um, he had went into the pool and found the piece of the puzzle. Uh, he wanted to give it to Yugi after Yugi stood up and tried to help him. And they decide to become friends, of course. Suddenly, the puzzle beams a light into Yugi's head, his personality changes, and then he decides he's going to go and find Ushio. Yugi challenges Ushio to a game. The game is to stab the most money without hurting yourself. So they take a pile of money, put it on top of their hands, and use a knife to stab the money. Whoever gets the most money without hurting themselves wins. And so, of course, um, Yugi and Ushio begin to play the game. Uh, as the game progresses, Ushio can no longer control his own greed, and he gets more anxiety and uses his strength. Um, he tries to attack Yugi when he realizes that he won't be able to win, but Yugi uses his magic to think, make him think he sees money everywhere. And as a result, Ushio is playing and collecting leaves as if it was a pile of gold. The next day, multiple students find Ushio like this, in a pathetic state. Yugi also cannot remember what happened at all, but he does remember that he did solve this puzzle. Jonuchi finds Yugi, and he tells Yugi that they want to be friends, and that they want to overcome any of the hardships that they had experienced before. In Chapter 2, one day, Jonuchi and Yugi are walking to class when they see a TV van that's parked outside of the school. The van is a reality TV show filming students that are being bullied. Unbeknownst to Yugi, he is selected by the director to be the star of the next show. He and his assistant director pose as a student. Sorry, he has his assistant director pose as a student so he can find Yugi. Meanwhile, Jonucci thinks that the van is looking for a celebrity in the school. He finds, uh, he plans on finding out who this is and decides he can make a little money off of this. Uh, the assistant director finds Yugi and tells him that there is a star here at school and that he will introduce Yugi to him. Yugi goes with him and then is in front of the cameras. The assistant director then starts beating up this innocent kid. Again, being filmed for a television show, did not tell Yugi that he was going to be on TV, decides to beat him up in front of this. Jonucci then finds out what has happened and then attacks the director, but then the director explains that he's being, still being filmed. Then he hits Junuchi back, and they said they can edit that out of the cameras. The dark Yugi appears, where he changes and transforms. He follows the director to the studio, and he challenges the director to a game of dice. The director loses after Yugi rolls and wins the battle. The director uh, loses his sight, and Yugi blinds him with mosaics. So all he can see are mosaics. Again, a cruel and unusual punishment, even though the director totally deserved it. In Chapter 3, Yugi is taking the bus to school. He's knocked back into Sozoji, uh, who is a student at the end of the bus. Sozoji threatens Yugi if he does not sell tickets to his karaoke event. Sozoji has a terrible voice. Um, a fellow student, Hanasaki, is also forced into selling tickets. Yugi takes his tickets to help him, but unfortunately, Sozoji sees this. Yugi goes to the karaoke event to tell Suzoji that he didn't sell any tickets, but he says he will stay with him and listen to his music. After one terrible song, Suzoji brings out a special guest, Hanasaki. Yugi then transforms after he sees that Hanasaki was beat up by Suzoji. Um, and so then when Yugi transforms, he challenges Suzoji to a game. The game is to not make a sound. Yugi places 
sorry, Yugi places his headphones on the table but leaves the jack, the headphone jack, that is, on a glass cup that is easily going to fall over. So Zoji thinks his heart begins to pound louder and louder as he is wanting this to, to fall over, as he thinks that all he has to do is wait. Um, of course, his heartbeat can be heard through the microphone and he loses because of his impatience. As a punishment, Yugi makes him hear his heartbeat constantly at a loud volume. Yugi helps his friend and they leave. In Chapter 4, at Domino City Jail, a prisoner 777 has escaped. He is believed to be armed and dangerous. Yugi and Jochiro decide to try a new restaurant in town called Burger World. They invite Anzu, but she tells them that the restaurant is bad. She tells them that she is busy and cannot hang out with them after school and leaves. The teacher then explains that an escaped convict is on the loose and a student should go home. But they decide, the students, being Yugi and Jonuchi, decide to go to the uh, hamburger stand anyway. Jonuchi thinks that Anzu's behavior is strange. He thinks that she joined an escort service. Yugi disagrees. They decide to tell Anzu after school to see where she is going. It turns out to be the restaurant they were going to, Burger World. It turns out she is the hostess of the restaurant. When they spot her, she is worried that she will be expelled because it is against the school rules to have a job. And she, again, is worried about being expelled. She brings them their food and writes in ketchup that if they tell anyone, they will die. She then says that she has nothing left to hide and, of course, explains that she was actually trying to save money so she can study dance in New York. Meanwhile, the prisoner finds himself lost in the woods and is very thirsty and hungry. He ends up finding the burger world. He takes his gun that he has and enters the restaurant and holds Anzu hostage. He blindfolds her. Anzu is worried that she's going to die and never get her chance to go be on stage or go to New York. The prisoner demands Yugi bring him his food. Yugi brings him the food, but then Anzu thinks that it was Yugi who was chosen, so she tells him to leave. The prisoner then slaps her and hurts her, which of course causes Yugi to transform. Yugi then challenges the prisoner to a game, but Anzu doesn't recognize his voice. She knows that it is sounding familiar, but can't quite place who it is. The game is not to move one finger. Yugi chooses his thumb, and the prisoner chooses his index finger, which is still on the gun. Yugi then lights a lighter that is lit and sets it on the prisoner's hand as he is pouring alcohol. He can't move, or the flames will ignite the booze, setting him on fire. Eventually, his cigarette drops out of his mouth and sets him on fire. Again, this is a children's show, and I want to point out that they just burned someone on fire in a teenage comic book magazine. Everyone is happy that Anzu is safe. She wants to thank the stranger who saved her life, but can't find him. In Chapter 5, another day goes by at school. The latest talk from the students is there's a psychic that has skills and abilities that can tell the future. Jonucci decides that he's going to get his told, but he is embarrassed, so he brings Yugi and Anzu along. The fortune teller predicts that an earthquake will happen, as it does shortly, and everyone is super impressed. Anzu goes first. The fortune teller is quite fond of her, so he makes up a story about how a man has fallen in love with her. This is someone that is really close to her. Again, she thinks back to the mysterious voice that saved her recently. The fortune teller tells Jonucci that he will continue to have bad luck. Of course, that he is upset that it is not elaborated on further, and he leaves in anger. Yugi's fortune is also very sketchy. Yugi says that he is skeptical of this fortune teller, for which he says that there will be giant letters that will fall on him. Also, side note, the fortune tellers here have stars of David on their foreheads. Uh, again, I thought this was also pretty strange, so very interesting symbolism here. We'll see if that continues. Um, again, 
uh, we go back to our story where Yugi finds a book mysteriously, and he has decided to return it to the library. The fortune teller then decides to make his fortune come true. He tells, again, he told Yugi that giant letters will fall on him. Again, Yugi is skeptical. But when Yugi goes to the library, the fortune teller follows him and decides to push over the stacks of books on top of him um, in order to make this prediction come true. That is when he realizes his fortune teller is dangerous. Yugi then transforms and follows him. Uh, the fortune teller uses chloroform to kidnap Anzu. Again, children's show. They're using it to use chloroform to kidnap his student. Yugi catches him in the act and asks him to play a game. Anzu recognizes the voice again, but she is again under the effects of chloroform and cannot quite wake up. They play a game of where they can put a bottle of chloroform on a stack of papers. Whoever pulls the papers out from under the bottle without knocking it over will win. Of course, the fortune teller pulls the, the bottle and loses. Even when he's trying to use his psychic abilities, he cannot win against Yugi. Um, and then, of course, the chloroform breaks and knocks it over him. He passes out, and Yugi does see all the predictions that he had written down that are under his jacket. Again, this was multiple, multiple predictions written down, so that way, in case anything that did happen throughout the day, he could point to it and say that he predicted it. Yuki. Yugi then takes Anzu home to recover safely. In Chapter 6, the students are deciding what to do for a school festival. Yugi suggested carnival games, which the class agrees. Meanwhile, the class is setting up with all of their hard work, when a senior class is mad because they also claim the same spot. Goro is the student that is in charge of this. Goro has his friends tear down the carnival games and hurt Yugi for attempting to block this. Um, while Yugi is recovering in the infirmary, Anzu tells him not to worry, they should do it again next year. But Yugi wants revenge. He transforms and decides to go after Goro for revenge. He challenges him, of course, to a game of ice hockey, in which a small explosive device is inside. Yugi uses his brains to overcome the challenge. Goro loses, and of course, this little bomb goes off on Goro. Again, inappropriate. Uh, the students pull an all-nighter and decide to rebuild the festival. In Chapter 7, walking home when jo Jonuchi and Honda, uh, Yugi finds them, and th they decide that they want to ask Yugi for advice. Honda admits that he has fallen for a fellow student. Uh, he wants to confess his love for her with a present. Yugi then takes him to his grandfather's shop. His grandfather helps him pick out a blank puzzle so he can write his feelings on it. Honda doesn't know what to write, so he gets Yugi to kind of do it through violence. The next day, they decide to sneak this puzzle into her desk. A new teacher arrives at the school, and her name is Miss Chono. Uh, they call her the Wicked Witch of the Expel. Miss Chono recalls in the bathroom that she enjoys crushing the hearts of men because she was once dumped. She decides to vent her frustration on the students that day by doing a desk check. The puzzle is discovered by Miss Chono. She explains that underage dating is against school policy. Uh, she wants the person to confess so that they, she can expel them. Both Yugi, Jonuchi, and Honda all claim to be responsible. While she is getting ready to expel all of them, Yugi transforms and then casts a spell on her, causing all of her makeup to run off her face, in which she appears incredibly ugly. Honda doesn't have the courage anymore to approach his crush. However, the three boys bonded over their time together and become better friends. And that is all of Volume 1 of Yu-Gi-Oh! And now that we've kind of gone over all the plot points of Volume 1, now I'm going to again share my thoughts, although I kind of interspersed them throughout. Again, this TV show 
it was not remembered to me as being inappropriate at all. Um, you know, it, it was a television show about a card game, and so far I have yet to see any of the trading cards make an, an appearance. Uh, trading cards such as Blue Eyes, White Dragon, uh, which many of you might remember, uh, have not yet appeared. Um, and this is, of course, only Volume 1, so we'll see if that appears in the future. But I was surprised that the comic was a little bit more involved than, and not just about the trading game. Um, I also remember, uh, you know, the video games and the different stuff as a kid as well. So I do want to say I was pleasantly surprised by, again, all the adult topics and themes that were in this manga. Um, you know, everything from kidnapping to, you know, uh, you know, setting people on fire and defeating them seems a little insane to me that all of this was considered appropriate in Japan in the 90s. Uh, but maybe... Again, times have changed. This was 25 years ago. Uh, again, maybe it's just that's the way things were back then. So I can't fully explain it. Maybe you guys have an explanation for why um, you know this series is considered so violent. Um, and anyway, uh, moving forward, I do want to continue reading this series, even though I might have sounded like I dissed it. I actually do enjoy this series for nostalgic reasons, and I am looking forward to continuing forward. Um, like I said, I give it a 4 out of 5, and the only reason I would give it a 4 is because of two things. Uh, one, it was Americanized when it was over here in the U.S., so I have a hard time keeping up with the names. I had to constantly edit the names that I was saying in my head because I knew them as different characters. So that was a, a problem for me that I still am getting used to, but hopefully over the course of reading these novels that problem goes away. And two... While I definitely enjoyed all the advanced imagery of everything and the, you know, the adult themes in this particular manga, I was a little disappointed that the first volume did not go and elaborate more on the Millennium Puzzle and that it did not go and elaborate more on trading cards, which we'll soon see, uh, hopefully. Um, I do have volume two, so I will be reading that soon. Uh, but I don't know when next time I will be reading that book will be. But again, I just wanted to share my thoughts and feelings on this book. Maybe you enjoyed it as well. Maybe you recall and are nostalgic for these types of things as well. Um, again, nostalgia is a powerful feeling because you remember it maybe differently. Again, I remember it from about 20 years ago, and then the series is about 25 years old. So with that being said, we'll see how it ages and if it continues to grow. Um, I do know that this is a very short volume series, so maybe it's possible that it's just starting out, and we'll see if it gets any better. All right, everyone. Um, thank you for listening to today's podcast. Again, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. Did you think this series was appropriate? Um, and also... If you have any manga or book suggestions, I have tons of more book suggestions I'm getting into now. Um, but anyway, if you have any book suggestions or anything you think I should read, please let me know. Maybe not any fantasy books anytime soon. All right, folks, that's all for today. We'll see you next time.